Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome back to the T2 Hub with me, Martin Johnson. I'm alone in the Hubcast room today. Um... It's for a reason. I've been working on a piece myself recently, having done some research over the last 18 months around hybrid working. In line with recent announcements from the government around return to normal procedures post July the 19th and that restrictions are going to be lifted, there's an impact there on organizations. You know, there's decisions to be made. Are we going to now return to lifting our own restrictions? Are we going to have people come back into the workplace in the entirety? Are we going to continue to offer offer a hybrid working or flexibility? You know, what are our on-premise rules going to be? Are we still going to have certain measures? So it's a really timely situation around organizations need to get together to discuss the long-term strategy post-pandemic. We've sort of been organically working through this, but we've always been guided by government guidelines. Whereas now, you know, organizations are going to have the freedom to be able to make their own decisions. So what I want to talk about on this in on this hubcast and this video is around hybrid working and 10 challenges really that we're going to face going forward, no matter what decisions that you make. I just want to start by defining what we mean by hybrid working. Hybrid working is a way of working which offers flexibility around time and the place of work. I'm just going to say that again because it's important. The definition is a way of working which offers flexibility around the time, the amount of time you work and the times that you specifically work and the place of work in which you carry out what you need to do. So that can be wholly remote, it can be wholly on-premise, it can be a real, the term hybrid comes when it's a mixture of the two, a few days in the office, a few days working from home. Um, complete flexibility is the key with this. Now, organizations are going to face 10 challenges going forward. I want to go through them systematically and I want to then provide some tips around what we can do about it and how we can implement this effectively. But we have enough research and data now within our client base. We have enough war stories. We have enough scars over the last 18 months to know what's working well and what continues to present a challenge. So the first challenge of hybrid working is our ability to influence. Now, we do a lot of psychology here at T2, and you know we know that 60 to 65% of our influence is nonverbal. You know, our body language, the way we carry ourselves, you know, our facial expressions, virtual meetings without a doubt dilute our influence, our ability to read situations and pick up on the group and power dynamics in the room or read a person's body language effectively. In actual fact, it even starts to go further than that. We can unintentionally display negative body language when we are getting distracted, when we're turning our camera off, when we're emailing, when our eyes are wandering. So the ability for us to influence, whether it's a manager uh, trying to influence a team, whether it's a colleague trying to influence a, a project, whether we're just trying to build rapport or uh, you know connect with members of, of other departments, our ability to influence is significantly reduced when we are a remote-based worker or we're all remote-based working or we're engaging with people back at the office and the premises. So I think the first challenge we've established over the last 18 months or so is as much as it's been really effective in many ways to conduct virtual meetings and Teams and Zooms, it does reduce our influence and our ability to influence because 
the non-verbal communication is almost impossible to read or taken away when we're you know working in remote environments the second challenge that has come through in the research around what we face with hybrid and remote based working is what we're going to call execution anxiety now execution anxiety is is typically lies within managers right so we've we've seen this shift where managers have now you know they've been used traditionally to having people in the office on the same desks in the same space they can see and observe what they're doing they can push the pace they can challenge execution they can ask for more in the moment right now all of a sudden managers or certain managers with certain profiles are starting to worry if things are being done and that is because that proximity is not there anymore and where we have to rely on empowerment we have to have patience right and what we're finding is the certain managers with certain profiles and I'll hold myself uh, against this I would probably suffer from this execution anxiety are things being done are people on track is it going to get done by the time frame in which I've communicated it and therefore what starts to creep in if we are not careful is micromanagement we start pushing and asking questions and following up and ringing and emailing just to check that we're on track or that things are being done so i just want you to think about that if you're listening to this as an organization or a manager are you suffering from execution anxiety as a, as a as a result of shifting to hybrid and remote based working are we starting to get anxious about things being done and therefore we're coming on a little bit strong or actually disrupting ourselves because we're constantly checking in and pushing and and challenging number 3 the third challenge we are facing with hybrid workers is equipment and technology of course it happened overnight so we're sending people home with laptops and the best we can you know giving them the, the the equipment they need to operate from home but if this is going to be a long term strategy if now that research is right around about 56% of people want to continue working in a hybrid way or from home if we're going to provide that long term strategy then we have to get set up to manage the inventory around equipment and technology and i'm not just talking laptops and you know and and PCs i'm talking headsets i'm talking microphones i'm talking chairs desks furniture the, the the setting up a workspace for hybrid workers to be able to work effectively and not only that but then having some way of managing that inventory across the entire workforce or across the entire hybrid workforce whether that's you know repurposing you know equipment and furniture if somebody leaves taking it back into storage if if we've got nowhere to redeploy it right now uh, renewal periods every 3 years understanding where you know where we can shift our assets to and our inventory to at any one time as people know i'm involved in another organization called podia who's set up to deliver this online e-commerce platform you can manage all of your inventory all your staffs in one place if people leave you can pick it up and repurpose it repurpose it or store it but as we go forward in a hybrid world it can't just be a case of people buying their own equipment or sending them home with a laptop and getting them working in their back kitchen on furniture and equipment which is really not fit for purpose so it ties into that whole productivity thing but it also ties into the well-being thing Number 4, the fourth challenge we are observing with hybrid working is cost of infrastructure versus cost of remote. I'll just say that again, the cost of your infrastructure versus the cost of remote based working. Organizations need to balance existing infrastructure costs with additional remote based costs. It's it's overnight not many organizations some have done this but not many organizations have just gone right everybody's working remotely or in a hybrid way and we're going to reduce all of our costs and get rid of our offices some people have done that very few have so they've incurred 
a, a, an overhead over the last 18 months because now they've got the cost of supporting hybrid working, remote-based working, but they've also still got the full overhead of running the infrastructure, which is probably being utilized at maybe 40, 50, 60% capacity. Organizations need to make a decision going forward. If the long-term vision is to promote hybrid working, you've got to balance the cost of your fixed infrastructure versus remote-based working support and costs. Number five, the fifth um, challenge that is really worth considering and that's coming out in the research is the politics, the political aspects of offering hybrid working. Now, this gets interesting from a cultural perspective. You know, if you've got on-site workers in a manufacturing organization, for example, or an emergency services and public sector organization where they can't do their job from home, so they are categorized as an on-premise worker, then you've got some people who have the hybrid option. So they do t- some some meetings and some days from the physical infrastructure and some days from home. And then you have some people who don't need to be on site. So they're classed as full remote-based workers. What we're starting to observe in some of our customers is internal politics and resentment building up. So some of the more on-site workers get resentful of the remote-based workers, claim they're not doing much, they've got an easier life. You know, do they, do they get paid the same or more? Should they? There's little political situations arising. If you as an organization are not managing that or you're clear on your communications or you're clear on how the organization needs to function, right? If you're not clear and you're not managing that from a from a leadership and cultural perspective, politics can start to creep in. Resentment of other people can start to happen. So we've just got to make sure that we're ahead of the game and we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're We're not allowing that to fester and manifest. Number six, sixth challenge that we're observing in organizations for hybrid working, productivity. Now, productivity is king. It is absolutely the number one thing that defines performance. How productive are your people? Some will flourish with personal space and headspace and physical isolation. Some people are wired, as we know, in a way to say that I'm comfortable working from home every day and I'll get more done. I'm going to be hugely productive. In fact, I'm less productive when I've got noisy people in the office or I've got distractions. Whereas, you know, just as much as some people will flourish, some people will get distracted and struggle and be disorganized in isolation. I'm one of them. I I couldn't be a hybrid worker or a remote-based worker. I thrive on being physically in the premise, in the vicinity, in the proximity with my people, with my team, with my clients. That's where I'm most productive but other people are not so. Other people are most productive when they're alone. And maybe this is analyticals, introverts, you know, the people who need thinking time, who have quite complex cognitive jobs. So um, one of the challenges you're going to face if you go big bang with this or you have too much policy and rigidness around it is if you just declare that everybody is now going to work from home and be a remote-based company, then some will flourish and some will struggle. Survey your people understand your people, profile them, understand who's going to flourish in a remote or hybrid environment and who actually needs engagement and people and, you know, and, and, and the buzz of the office or the facility or the site. But that's going to be a challenge. How do you sort of drive productivity from hundreds, if not thousands of people when they're all wired in different ways and some it will suit and some it won't? Seven, the seventh challenge of hybrid working. Interesting one communication. Now, communication is usually the answer to every problem in any organization. No matter what the problem is, communication is the answer. However, communication becomes largely based on written 
the written word, written communication, and not always verbal. If you take Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever platform you use aside, where you speak to people still albeit in a virtual world, a lot of hybrid and remote-based working is highly dependent upon you know, instant messenger and link and chat features and email. You know, when we are communicating heavily based on the written word, we take all the intonation out of that communication. People put two and two together and come up with 56. Organizations need to understand this and try to come up with strategies and policies around communication. That hybrid and remote-based working does not mean that you sit behind your PC and rely on the written word. We've still got to find the balance between engaging and communicating effectively with each other. Number eight, the eighth challenge of hybrid working, trust. If there's anything anybody takes from this short video stroke podcast, it's this. Managers and colleagues can become mistrusting of remote and hybrid workers, and it's wrong, but it's human nature. You know, for all the reasons I've said before around execution anxiety, around the politics between on-site, on-premise workers and hybrid workers. If we don't get this right, if we don't establish those communication lines, trust can become an issue. Trust can become a massive issue. And once trust is sabotaged, that will then directly hinder the model. The whole thing falls in if we move towards and cater for hybrid working, but we don't trust and empower them, right? It's got to be a massive uh, part of the agenda of the strategy to create a trusting environment. Number nine, one of the biggest challenges we're going to find going forward, and this is not immediately now, but it's it's a long-term thing you're going to find with offering hybrid working is this, career progression. So promotional opportunities tend in history and still today to be based on and rely on a level of presence and visibility. You, you will hear it all the time in organizations around, well, if you're going to be a manager, you've got to be visible. Right? You've got to be present. You can't manage a department or a key part of the organization sat in your office at home. You've got to get out there. You've got to win hearts and minds. You've got to stakeholder management. You've got to attend management meetings and board meetings. You've got to be visible with the team. And I think what's starting to happen, and it's worth considering a new term is emerging in this area. It's called proximity bias. Proximity bias. Proximity bias is where you're going to find that people's promotional opportunities are cut off based on their ability to be present in the organization or be a hybrid worker. What we don't want to do as an organization is, is to start suffering from proximity bias where the career progression opportunities are given and catered for for the people who are on-premise workers or who are more visible. However, you do need to be honest and upfront if part of a management role or a senior role in the organization does require a certain level of visibility. However, we're going to have this come up time and time again. You're going to have hybrid workers and remote workers who want to progress in the organization, and you will start to suffer from proximity bias if you don't cater for that, or if you're not clear on the expectations around career progression as a hybrid worker moving forward. So number 10, employee retention. It's a massive one, right? It's employee retention. Organizations will face employee churn if they can't cater for hybrid working. So given everything I've just said about the challenges, it's inevitable, right? It's inevitable post-pandemic and the world we live in. I think we were always, you know, going towards more flexible working anyway, but this is just supercharged and fast-tracked the whole thing. If you don't have the ability to offer it, 
you will face employee churn or you will fail to attract future talent because they will go somewhere else where they can get it. Because remember, currently in work, in work, in the workplace, 56% of people have stated they want some level of hybrid nature to their role. So it's incredibly important that we cater for that going forward. Organizations will struggle to attract talent and face churn if they can't cater for it. So you have to have your strategy around it. I think I've done the 10 challenges exist, but there's one more I'll throw into the mix if anything's an 11th challenge, and that's general employee well-being. Social isolation and inactivity can have a direct impact on health, on mental well-being, you know, and certainly for some personality types, that's going to be huge. So we need to cater for that. Now, to finish this, 10 quick tips on how we can maybe, you know, get ahead of the game and influence those 10 challenges. Number one, we need to develop a high-trust culture. You know, very few people will abuse hybrid working. And it is true. There are some people out there who are lazy, who will take advantage of the the fact that they're working from home, right? Who won't put in the hours, who, you know, it's, it's inevitable, but it's very few. The vast majority don't. And this is what you got to bear in mind as an organization. If you're going to develop a high trust culture, the vast majority will not abuse that. In fact, our research and data shows that they will go above and beyond. They'll work more hours. They'll, their productivity will be through the roof because they want to justify their existence. But you have to create a high trust culture going forward. If you're going to do it, you can't half-ass it. You've got to create a high trust culture and leadership and manage, and the managers within that leadership team need to absolutely induce that trust-based environment. Number two, drop-in days. These are essential, uh, you know, sorry, essential for, for influence and inclusion. You've got to create certain days and, uh, and drop-in points to get people engaged back into the organization, even if they're predominantly re- remote-based. How can you do that cleverly? How can you create little uh, lunch and learns, little events, little things where they can come in and just meet people and get face-to-face time so it's enough for them to stay engaged in the organization. Number three, you've got to establish a hybrid working management tool. Just as we've had ERPs and CRMs and all the other tools and the platforms we use to manage all other areas of the business, going forward, I think you're going to need to establish some type of tool, resource management tool, portal, where you can track assets, provide amazing remote-based workspaces, you know, bring in equipment and the right tools that people need to do their jobs, repurpose it when employees leave. But you're going to need a way of trying to cater for remote-based and hybrid workers and giving them what they need so they can be as productive as they can from home. Number four, fourth tip, provide well-being, education and support. You know, we've got to give them that ongoing support and education, whether that's you know, an online platform for their personal productivity and well-being and hints and tips, whether you promote time away from their workspace at home, whether you subsidize things like gym memberships or or sports clubs or whatever it might be, whether you arrange workplace clubs, out-of-hours clubs, whatever you can do to promote personal well-being, I think we're going to have to do that because the tendency is we will just out of sight, out of mind, and that's not what we need from organizations who are looking after their employees. Number five, have a communication agreement. This is incredibly important. Um, Calling versus emailing versus video. How much dedicated time do you have with your manager versus reactive time where I have to answer the calls? When you leave this gray, that can start to trigger some of that anxiety around execution. What you need to do is establish, you know, 
a communication agreement with your manager. Listen, we'll have a set check-in on these dates. Um, if I need if I need something urgent, I will physically call you. So if my phone ring, if I ring, I have this same with my staff. If I ring, pick up. Anything else that's not urgent, I'll drop you an email and you can action it whenever you're free. But if I ring, I probably need something urgent. So having some ground rules around this in the form of a communication agreement will just take away that anxiety and will give you a platform from which to work in. Number six, daily pattern management. This is a real cool one. It's really important. Why don't you allow employees to create their work in patterns and communicate them to managers so they know when they're going to be available or not? And what I mean by this is one of your team members might say, I get up in the morning, I do two hours work, and then at 10 o'clock, I go for a run. I have my mid-morning run. I'm half an hour away from my desk, quick shower, and I'm back online for quarter past 11. So you'll never, you know, you won't get me in that hour and a half, but I'll be at my desk and ready to go just before lunch. Other people might say, well, I do the school run. So you're not going to get me first thing in the morning or around mid-afternoon, but I'm good at these times. Daily working patterns and, and understanding your team's patterns by communicating and having those will allow managers to understand that it's not people not answering the calls. It's not that things are not being done. It's just that I know that Martin does this routine, Katie does that routine, Dave does this routine, and that's what we can work our communication and our checking points around all of these things. Number seven, last few, outcomes-based leadership. This is incredibly important. I've talked a lot over the last year about the importance of outcomes-based leadership. You know, define outcomes. What do we want from hybrid and remote-based workers? What's the timeframes we need them to deliver that within? You know, if we manage by outcomes, well, then we can work back to outputs and inputs if the outcomes are not being met. Traditionally, we've always liked to manage the inputs. What are we doing on a daily basis? What's our activity like? You know, systematic type approach. If you do that with hybrid and remote-based workers, it's going to drive down productivity. It's going to absolutely sabotage trust, and it's going to come on like that anxiety around execution. Define clear outcomes, get out the way. As long as those outcomes are met, who cares how they're achieving them? That's the way to go with hybrid workers, outcomes-based leadership. Number eight, scale back on-premise infrastructure gradually and once the long-term strategy is clear. I'm not saying that anybody out there who's gone big bang and completely all gone remote-based working is, is wrong. It might really pay off, certainly from an overheads perspective and a cost perspective. But for those organizations who need to test the water, you know, start dipping your toe in with hybrid working. And then you can scale back your major infrastructure costs once you know it's working and it's productive for the organization. Because the worst thing to do is to scale back half your office space, scale back, have drop-in centers, and then realize that actually 12 months down the line, this isn't working for us and we need to find some more space. So just scale back your infrastructure gradually. Once we're clear on the long-term strategy, then you can make those big financial decisions. Number nine, redefine your employee engagement initiatives to suit hybrid working. If we can no longer engage people face-to-face -face with lunch and learns, with things that traditionally, for example, and a million different things, that requires the proximity, how do we keep people engaged? How do we do that from a distance? How does that play out in terms of engaging the on-premise workers versus the hybrid workers? And we, you know, How can we bring them together? So you've got to think about employee engagement initiatives that will really keep people connected to the organization. And the final one, my 10th tip, on trying to overcome some of those initial 10 and 11 challenges that I stated. You've just got to be open, be flexible. Things are going to continue to evolve and change. 
you know, and we've got to be able to roll with the punches and, and, and learn to sail. I always have this saying, you can't control the wind and the tide, but you can definitely learn to sail. And I think that's what organizations need to do. Be open-minded, be flexible. And wherever we go with this, we've got to be able to learn, learn from it, learn what, what, what works, you know, throw away what doesn't work and continue to change. So they're my 10 challenges on hybrid working. You know, post-July 2021, and hopefully beyond, depending on how the rest of the pandemic pans out, I think we're starting to emerge now back into the control is back in our hands. We're not just led by government policy. We've got to start thinking about this. We've got to start guarding against the things that are going to catch us out. It is inevitable. It's going to happen. We've got no choice but to promote hybrid working to an extent in our organizations. Um but think about the things that might trip us up. Think about the politics. Think about the infrastructure. Think about how we're going to lead the leadership style, building a trusting environment, supporting well-being, all of these great things. And hopefully within those 10 challenges and 10 tips, there's some stuff there that you can maybe start thinking about um, and, and deploying your organization today. So that'll do for this short video. Um, we'll do more on this for sure as we go forward and as we learn more from organizations and from research. But for now, We'll be back shortly with another T2 Hub video.